Sermon number 692, Living with the Leftovers, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, August the 18th, 1974. The text is Acts, the 16th chapter, the 6th through the 10th verses. Beginning to read at the 6th verse. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come opposite Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing, beseeching him, and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Amen. to go to Bithynia, but he got Troas. Now that's a familiar theme, isn't it? Because there are very few people who get to live life upon the basis of their first choice. Most of us have to be content in carving out a life based upon our second or third or fourth choice. To take a Troas, the second or third or fourth best, the broken plan, the leftovers of a disappointed expectation, and make of it the greatest opportunity that you ever have had in a lifetime, that's the secret to victorious living. To want to go to Bithynia, but to end up in Troas, and yet in Troas do the most significant thing and find the greatest opportunity that you have in life. Paul did it. It was through Troas, you know, that the gospel was introduced to the continent of Europe. And if Paul had gone to Bithynia, Instead of Troas, we don't know what would have happened, but he went to Troas because the Spirit of Jesus, he claims, would not allow him to go into Bithynia. Now, we all know numerous stories about people who wanted Bithynia that ended up in Troas. History records many of them, some of them very excitingly. The Reverend Phillips Brooks, perhaps one of the most outstanding clergymen this nation has ever supplied to the world, was an individual who did not want to be a preacher. Phillips Brooks had as his Bithynia 
the teaching profession, where he failed miserably, total failure. He had to go to a Troas, and out of this particular experience, he found where the Spirit of God found him to become one of the greatest ambassadors the Christian faith has ever known. Abraham Lincoln. His Bithynia was to become a good lawyer. And in that profession he became number one failure. And through his Troas, he eventually came to the White House. John Wesley. He had one dream in life, and that was to come to America and to convert the Indian in Georgia to the Christian faith. He went back to England with his head in shame. Very experienced Troas. And out of that, he became the founder of the United Methodist Church. It goes on and on and on. Whistler, the great artist. His Bithynia was to become a professional soldier, and he managed to get an appointment to go to West Point. And there, in a chemistry examination, he came to Troas. And years later, he was to chuckle and would say, if silicon were a gas, I would have been a major general. <laughs> that little boy. I guess he wasn't so little in Decatur, Illinois. He wanted to become a photographer and a good photographer. And as he clipped the coupon out of the magazine and sent his 25 cents with it, he thought that he was going to find his Bithynia. Instead, the publishers made a mistake and they returned to him a book entitled A Manual on Magic, Mind Reading, and Ventriloquism. And this young Swedish lad was somewhat impressed with the ventriloquism, and he practiced throwing his voice. And then with his own hands, he carved out of wood a little dummy. And that man, in future years, by means of radio, was able to throw his voice through that wooden dummy where on Sunday evenings he spoke to more people in America than all the combined preachers of this continent. Edgar Bergen, you see, had a Bithynia in becoming a photographer. Charlie McCarthy was created in Troas. Oh, and go on and go on, all of you, I'm sure, can recite stories, some of them very thrilling, of people who had a Bithynia, a dream, their first choice, that ended up making something out of the leftovers of a broken plan. Remember that story that Somerset Mom wrote? The one about the church janitor there at the cathedral of St. Peter's in London? One day the rector found out that the janitor was illiterate, so he fired him. Jobless with his meager earnings, this man went out and invested in a small tobacco shop, which prospered. And he opened another one, and it prospered, and he expanded until before long he had tobacco shops all over England. 
He was worth a considerable amount of money. And one day his bankers said to him, you know, you've done pretty good for being illiterate. Where would you have been if you could read or write? I'll tell you where I've been. I'd have been the janitor of St. Peter's Church. That's where I would have been. We all know people who have made a success and their greatest contribution, not from Bithynia, but from Troas. But the important thing is that while you are living in Troas, you don't want to know who, you want to know how did they do it. How do you do it? How do you take that second or third or fourth best or that broken plan or that left over from a disappointed expectation and turn it in as the greatest contribution that you make to all the world. I don't know how all of these people did it, but I can tell you how the Apostle Paul did it. When we try to, with our imagination, allow these verses in the 16th chapter of Acts to go through our mind and and paint the picture, we see here was a man who, regardless of where he lived, be it in Bithynia or be it in Troas, he never, never lost faith in the providence of God. He never lost faith in the providence of God. He was an individual who, when he said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, he believed it. And he believed that God created not only the heaven and the earth, but he created Paul, and he loved Paul. He believed what a friend of mine I heard say the other day. He believed that God does not create junk. Or as Ethel Waters puts it, God don't sponsor no flops. And that's what he believed. And he believed that God who created Bithynia and Troas and loved them both created Paul and loved him as well. He didn't know why he was in Troas, but he knew who sent him. He didn't have the least bit of a suspicion as to what tomorrow would hold for him, but Paul believed in the one who held the tomorrows. And he knew Lord, I'm here. I believe you have placed me here. You do not close a door without opening one that you want me to pass through. And he trusted God. And he believed God. And he never did. And he was in many trials lose his confidence in the providence of God. That's what helped him to make something of his leftovers, as well as the ability that he had of never forgetting people. Paul, I think, would have been rather a difficult man to live with. But there was one great quality about him, I think. He cared about people. And he never quit caring about people. And that's one of the secrets to successful and victorious living. 
You see, when the average person gets to Troas, he has eye problems, and I'm not speaking about optical trouble. He has problems with what I call the big eye, the ego factor. Why am I here? What am I going to do? How am I ever going to get out of this? Paul didn't have that problem. He was an individual who began to think, what can I do to help someone else? He immediately began to look for people to whom he could give some comfort, some aid, some inspiration, and the message of Jesus Christ. That was one of his main goals in life. He believed in people and he believed that he was sent to care for people. And before he was in that town of Troas, 24 hours, in looking for a person whom he could help, he found it. That very night, even though it was in a vision, he heard and saw an individual from Macedonia saying, Come over, Paul, and help us. And as George MacDonald says, there is absolutely nothing in this world that can make a person strong than hearing the cry for help. Isn't that true? We've all been in that situation. We're, we're coming home from work or vacation. We're tired. We're weary. We, we don't know how we're going to make it. And then suddenly, there's a crash, an accident. Someone is hurt. And that cry for help is heard. We drop everything. We run. We do our best, and we don't even remember how tired we are until it's all over. If somebody we know is sick, the hours grow into days, days into weeks, weeks into months, sometimes even into years. And we see somebody so tired, we wonder how they can stand it. We wonder how they can take another day. But they do. They do what seemingly is the impossible. And you analyze it, they have heard the cry for help. They know that somebody needs them. And when somebody needs you, that's what makes your life strong. So it gives it purpose. And one of the reasons that I think so many people have long faces today is simply in this very complicated, sophisticated society, they do not their help is needed. That's Paul never forgot people. And from that he was able to make one of his greatest contributions to the Christian cause from the leftovers that he had in his Troas. And then he had a victorious spirit. He never thought defeat. 
He always thought victory. He found that little clause in the Christian faith that so often we forget when we talk about the problems of the church instead of the power of the Lord. He was always impressed with the fact that Christianity tells us that we should get something out of everything. We just shouldn't go through a sickness. We should get something out of it. We just shouldn't stand and take criticism. We should gain and benefit from it. He was an individual who believed that you can get something out of everything, even if that everything is failure, defeat, the leftovers of a broken plan. And he lived his life in that belief, so that when he was in Troas, he did not say, Oh, how can I endure this? But rather, how can I use this? And he caught that spirit from our Lord. Our Lord, who took everything and became involved in people using them and those objects where they were to build something even greater. And even at the end, he took the cross, which was the sign of shame, and built it into the symbol of salvation. You and I have that ability. When we use immediately, intelligently, imaginatively, the talents and the brains and the opportunities that God gives us. And when we support them with a spirit of victory. This is what some of the great writers have said over and over again, and Leslie Weatherhead says it the best, I think. It's not what matters. It's not what happens to you in life that really matters. It's your reaction to what happens that really matters. And the spirit that you contain with the living Christ is one where you can find victory. It's a cute little story, and I think it illustrates what I am trying to say here this morning. Dr. Gorham of Australia tells it about the man who lived in a rented house by the river. A very comfortable home, and downstairs in the cellar, it was a very airy space, and he kept his prize hens, the ones that he collected and were invaluable to him. Well, one night, the river flooded its banks. The basement became filled with water, and the prize hens ground. Early the next morning, the tenant was off to see the landlord to complain and also to tell him of his intentions of moving. Why, says the landlord. Isn't the home comfortable? Oh, yes. Well, why move then? Well, don't you understand? The river, it overflowed its bank. The cellar became flooded. My hands drowned. Well, I wouldn't move on that account. Why not try ducks? <laughs> the landlord didn't catch the feeling and the sadness of the tenant. 
but he did catch the power of the New Testament. And this is what Jesus can do and what Paul knew he could do when he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I don't know where you live today, but I know some people who are wishing for the Bithynia. But some of them don't even know it. They're on their way to Troas. If you ever find yourself in Troas, remember Paul, the providence of God, the care for people, the power of a victorious spirit. And you have the leftovers that can build a great life and make for a better world. Today's the first day of the rest of our lives. And what leftovers we have to build a better tomorrow. God bless you all. Amen. Father, you've given us so much in life. Forgive us when we trip over anthills of despair instead of having that faith to move mountains. Forgive us when we cry so much about our own hurts that we don't hear the cries of the world. Forgive us, Lord, when we think we have more wisdom than you who made the whole wide world. Father, help us to live. And now in the name of him who gave his life so that we might have life, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit being about with you all now and forevermore. Amen.